Hello, this is Dennis Thomas with Things That Matter, where we speak about everything from faith to finance and all things in between. So welcome to another episode, uh, episode eight, and we're speaking about the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, this is certainly a topic that I've been speaking about a lot with my friends. Uh, there's people that uh, agree with the entire movement, and then I have friends that uh, they agree with the movement itself, but they still have a little bit of concern with maybe uh, the way that the protesters are going about uh, the the matter itself, and just even questioning a little bit of how big of an issue uh, are some of these uh, things that we're seeing purported on the news itself. And I think with me having these discussions, one of the great things with speaking to people that uh, have a bit of disagreement is you will you get a chance to speak about it. I think one of the things that uh, this has this situation with George Floyd has helped out a lot is that you're able to talk to people about a topic that typically doesn't get spoken about. There's certain topics that we don't speak to others about, religion being one, politics, race and relations. But we are now putting that aside and being able to speak about these things. When I was with uh, one of my neighbors recently, they asked me, what are my thoughts on this topic? And next thing you know, we're in a discussion for probably two hours or so, uh, just speaking about things that matter. And the the benefit for me in this case, too, is the individual I was speaking to happened to think differently about me on uh, just maybe some of the inequalities that exist in this country. Uh, they thought differently about uh, even potentially racism or biases existing or prejudices existing in this country. And in a way, I can understand that. Uh, you think about someone of my age, I'm 40 years old, and I lived in a neighborhood that was predominantly white. And uh, we lived at a time where there's a lot of laws that exist that prevent racism from uh, being in your face, pretty much. And so if you are seeing uh, diversity and you're not necessarily, you know, and when I say diversity, more like if you go to your workplace, you might see uh, people of color that are in leadership positions, or you might uh, grow up in, in an area where you didn't get harassed by police. And so therefore you think that uh, because that was the viewpoint out of your own eyes, that these things don't exist. And I think that's where it's important for uh, someone like myself, especially if you're having these discussions. So one, it's, it's a great thing to have these discussions because this is really how people begin to learn. Uh, first, they, they have to kind of care about things, which I think for the most part, uh, we live in a world where people care. But you also have uh, certain uh, events that you see where people don't care. George Floyd incident would be a situation where you're kind of wondering in that case. Uh, you, you, you're, you're looking at the video and you see the person kneeling on their neck and the person dies. I mean, when we wake up every day, we have this... Uh, thought that that this is going to be a good day, right? We're trying to think positive and, and, and maybe we, we might be dealing with some pressures of the day or, or anxieties, but we're not thinking that that's going to happen to us. And in this incident, that's what happened, right? Someone in the end dies. But I think when we uh, think about having these discussions with our 
friends or our neighbors, I think it's important for us to be factual about some of the situations that we see. Because just because you uh, may grow up and some of these items are not as visible to you, some of these inequalities or some of these biases, it doesn't mean that they don't exist. And I think a lot of the conversation that I was having with my neighbor was just to show them statistics. I mean, one of the things that we know exists in this country is income inequality. And sometimes if we were kind of, I think, being lazy with our thinking, we would think that the reason because, uh, the reason that there is income inequality is because some people maybe didn't work hard enough to get to a certain point, which could totally be valid, right? Like that could certainly be a reason why there's income inequality. But then what we have to look at here is the history of our country. I mean, you think about slavery starting in 1619. It wasn't until we get to 1865, right? We had the Civil War from uh, 1861 to 1865, but Civil War ends. And at this point, we are now starting to get some type of freedoms. So this slavery ends, 1865. You have the Emancipation Proclamation. Sorry, 1863, you have the Emancipation Proclamation. 1865, you have the 13th Amendment. Now, just recently, we've been celebrating a holiday called Juneteenth. And honestly, it was something that I was not aware of until recent. And uh, prior to all these events happening with George Floyd, our company has been trying to cultivate different groups within our organization that represent a variety of cultures. And I think it's so great because I went to an all-black college and I knew the history of, of the college when I went to Hampton University, but then to actually begin to study a little bit more about the history and uh, understanding about uh, something called the Emancipation Oak, where some of the first slaves or freed slaves were being taught. And it dates back to that time period of when slavery ended. And it's funny, I, I go to that school and wasn't aware of the, the history of even the college I went to. I went there for two years, but I wasn't fully aware of the history. So going through this allows me to even understand and, and learn a little bit more so that I could pass it on. And then we, in turn, do a Juneteenth celebration. And Juneteenth was uh, celebrating these African-American slaves, men and women, being free, but it was this Union General Granger that goes to Texas and notifies some of these African-Americans that they were free. And the one thing that we see here, too, is this is about two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, that we have June 19th, 1865, where General Granger goes and lets them know that they are free. So this is commemorating that event. And now you kind of see this a little bit mainstream because recently we had uh, President Trump going to have a rally on that date. And so then the media catches, picks up on this. And now it becomes mainstream Juneteenth, which I think part of uh, how we're able to make our country better and help to uh, overcome some of these racial inequalities that exist 
is by educating people on certain events. And even our company right now is taking that event as a day of reflection. They kind of went back and forth whether they would have us take the day off. But now what they want to do is use that as a day of reflection where the first part of the day would be required learning on a specific topic, but something that is around uh, potentially Juneteenth or around African-American history. And then the remaining part of the day or the remainder part of the day is going to be on a reflection time. And to me, looking at that as an example, because a lot of conversations I've been having recently too, is what can we do to make things better? My church that I go to here in Pennsylvania is reaching out to me to ask me, Friends that I speak to are reaching out. What can we do? And one of the things I think that we can do is educating people, making people aware of the history. So going back to the discussion that I had with my neighbor is letting him know that there is a reason why we have income inequality here. And if you think about, uh, there was uh, definitely studies out there, but there's, there's a controlled study that shows uh, African-Americans or, or those that are uh, black workers versus white workers. So black workers are still earning less than white workers, but the controlled pay gap was looking at those that had the same experience, same job, same geographic location. Blacks earn 98 cents for every dollar earned by white men. Now, one of the ways that they speak about trying to confront this issue is performing pay audits. Uh, once again, I think about the company that I work for and recently I had my manager uh, come up to me and let me know that I was getting a pay increase. And the reason why they were doing that is because from time to time they do pay audits to check to see if you are making the amount of money in line with your years of experience and also looking at other factors as well the job that you have, the role that you have, your geographic location, and they find out that I was not, and so they increase my pay. Another way that they speak about trying to uh, confront this issue is not asking people about past earnings. So if you are black in America and you're earning 98 cents on the dollar compared to someone white, then if they're going to pay you according to what your previous amount is, you're going to get paid less money. So we see here that not only looking at this, there's also studies out there. Uh, University of Chicago did a study that shows that if you had a black sounding name like Jamal versus a white sounding name like Brendan, you are 50% less likely as a black individual to get called in for a job. We know for uh, years after the Civil Rights Act, uh, sorry, years after uh, black men and women were freed, we have now instituted, or at that point, instituted the Jim Crow laws, separate but equal, which really wasn't providing equality to blacks at all. They couldn't get jobs. They couldn't own a home. They couldn't go to certain schools, which is why you have schools like Hampton University, historic black college. I remember one of my friends asking me one time, why do blacks have their own school. And I think he, they were they were asking that, um, you know, with pure intent, just wondering. But part of the reason is because there was a time when as a black individual, you couldn't go to any school. So that's why things needed to be created to allow black people to still be on equal footing 
And one of my buddies was asking me, how long do we continue this fight? We continue this fight until we do have equality, until you're not getting paid 98 cents on a dollar. If we think too about the cost of delayed freedom, if you have a post-college degree, median net worth in this country by race, if you're a white post-college degree, your net worth is 455,000. If you're black, it's 141,000. If you went to college, your net worth as a white American is 268,000. If you're black, it's 70,000. These are the inequalities that exist in our country. And if you think too, and go back to history, we, we know about times, uh, the Federal Housing Administration at one point started a program that they deemed, they, they called it quote unquote redlining started in the 1930s, it prevented people of color from buying homes in certain neighborhoods, rejected loans based on color. Certain areas were off limits for buying homes. So if you were black and you wanted to buy a home in a certain area, if that area is predominantly white, you were not able to buy a home. If you were black and you were considered a risk, and they're not looking again at your credit history here, they're not looking at your income, they're looking solely at the color of your skin, you are not able to get a loan. You are not able to have your loan insured. So you're talking about years of this happening, 1930s. Things don't get changed until we get to around 1968. So you're talking about 38 years of African-Americans, Hispanics, not being able to live in certain neighborhoods, having to live in impoverished neighborhoods, you talk about the years of slavery that existed. One of the reasons why people have net wealth and they're able to pass it on to next generations is because of ownership, specifically home ownership. And now what we're doing here during this time period is we're not letting people of color buy a home. So they can't pass on any type of wealth to the next generation. And sometimes we wonder why things like the income inequality that exists that I stated before. Those things exist because of practices like this. And it requires the government to get involved and to create laws in order to push these things forward. And these are the things that we need to speak about. One of my buddies recently was asking me about black on black crime. I don't understand why Black Lives Matter doesn't also speak about black on black crime. And to me, it felt like such an insensitive comment. It's similar to the insensitivities that people maybe bring about when you hear all lives matter or black or, or, or blue lives matter, which even came out after the fact that we had the hashtag in 2015 of black lives matter, which came out because of Trayvon Martin dying. And then after that, you had just a slew of people dying, Eric Garner. You had the Ferguson riots. And sometimes what we're seeing here are forms of racial injustice where people are not accepting that black lives do matter. And instead they want to say, what about all lives matter? What about blue lives matter? How come you don't focus on black on black crime? As if now black people have to choose between one or the other. 
Also, not only that, are we saying that because you see Black Lives Matter on TV and because you see that movement, that somehow there are not groups that exist that speak about black on black crime? Or are you saying that you think the reason why there is racial inequality is because of black on black crime? And we know black on black crime is an issue that we need to tackle. The Black Lives Matter movement is here for a reason. They're here because of some of these injustices that happen in this country. The same reason why Colin Kaepernick would kneel because of police brutality. We know that those injustices exist in this country. If you're black in this country, you have a higher chance of being arrested. We saw this even in New York City with Stop and Frisk which was deemed unconstitutional. But 90% of people in 2017 that were stopped were African-American and Latino. 70% of those that were stopped were later found to be innocent. These are the injustices that African-Americans deal with in this country. If you are black in this country, you're going to have a higher chance of being arrested. Whites and blacks use drugs at the same rate, but the imprisonment of blacks is almost six times that of whites. These are the stats that exist in our country, and these are the things that, when we're having discussions with people, we need to be ready to bring up these facts. Because the thing that I'm thinking about when I speak to some of my friends that disagree in part with some of these, the, the, some of the, the uh, points of the movement and they ask questions is I think that they're representing a group of people out there that need to understand a little bit more. And I think one of the ways that we're able to make change happen in this country is if we care, if we listen, and if we learn. Those are three things that we need to focus on to be able to make change happen in this country. And then the other thing that we also need to think about is where do we start? And it starts where you are planted. I listen to Greg Kolkel a lot. He's a Christian apologist, but he says, bloom where you are planted. That's where you can begin to make changes wherever you are located, whether that's speaking to your neighbor about important topics like this, even if they disagree. Whether it's starting a podcast, whether it's creating a, a YouTube channel, whether it's reading an article so that you could understand, studying about the history and the past of those before us, like Martin Luther King Jr., that were able to make change happen in this country, speaking to your children. We have many opportunities to be able to make change happen, and it starts with us. It starts right now. It starts with you. It starts with me. I'm ready to make that change. Are you ready to make that change? Because that's what it requires at this day and age, at this point in time, for us to make things better. It starts with us, and it starts even with something small and letting it grow from there. Our goal here is to be equipped with the tools that we need to successfully navigate this complex world. The world is getting more complex as we go, but we're ready for it. 
We have the resources. Think about those three things. Care, listen, learn. Next time we meet, we'll continue on our journey where learning is our destination. Have a great week. Please email me if you have any questions. Email me if you have any thoughts, ideas. Let me know that this material that we're speaking about is talking to you. Things that matter, one one at gmail.com. That's things that matter. 11 at gmail.com. I always enjoy our conversations. I always enjoy talking about things that matter. Until next time we meet, enjoy yourself.